And we're back on Consumer Choice Radio. Another week, another program. I'm one half of your host, Yael Ososki, checking in from the home studio. And we're joined by my colleague, David Clement. We're uh, over here on the radio. We're out there on your podcast players, ConsumerChoiceRadio.com, both on Saga 960 AM and on the Big Talker Network. David, you've had a busy week. you got a lot of stuff going on, but I, I hope you're uh, keeping warm here as the temperature goes down and the thermostat goes up. Yes. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Keeping warm, you know. Uh, it is officially fall weather, um, which is, I don't know, good or bad? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. It's not winter yet. All right. So you got that nice winter weather that uh, hasn't yet kicked in, but uh, you're getting used to it. Uh, but I'll tell you where it's going to start getting chilly, and uh, that is the European continent. <laughs> uh, there's been a lot of stuff that's been going on with the not only the, the war in Ukraine uh, launched by Russia, but uh, also the energy wars. We've had uh, the downing of two separate pipelines, uh, multiple explosions that took place this week, uh, sort of a blame game. We don't really know exactly what happened apart from a couple of explosions, perhaps charges. We don't really know. There's a lot of speculation. Uh, there's a lot of finger-pointing at Russia. There's finger-pointing at the U.S. Um, who knows? Might have been Canada with its superior submarines, David. I don't know, but... <laughs> it... I actually don't think we have a single... I don't think we have a single submarine. All right, let's check this real quick. Uh, we'll do on-the-fly yeah. uh, some, some research. So some Canadian submarines. I would ask my uncle who uh, was in the Coast Guard. Um, Canadian Navy. This is a story from 2021. Okay. We have four. <laughs> oh, there you go. We have four submarines. There you go. There you go. <laughs> Dave, you're a bit modulated, so you might have to turn down your uh, mic volume. Uh, but for the first time in seven years, the Canadian Navy expects to have at least three of its four submarines operating simultaneously by the end of 2021. The achievement would mark the realization of a plan that was scuttled last year by faulty maintenance work and the pandemic. Yeah, I mean, I don't really know much about what our military has or doesn't have. Uh, But I do know that in the procurement process, I felt like I would see the same headline about Navy ships for like a decade. It's like they committed to buy them and build them and then... It like lasted like two full governments. It was so strange. I it's crazy how long it's like this yeah, stuff it's like takes. Like the F thirty five, pretty much that. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, yeah crazy, but um, but yeah, what's uh, what's on the docket today, Yaya? I mean, there's a lot to talk about. Um, the Cannabis Act is under review. Uh, you and I have talked a lot about uh, that over the years. Um, Maybe we might be able to finally get some changes um, to uh, <laughs> to the Cannabis Act to make it more consumer-friendly. Um, but yeah, I don't know. So the, yeah, this is uh, very relevant because there are uh, plenty of discussions about um, cannabis, its impact, legalization efforts, medicinal legalization efforts in some places. And I was just mentioning you, I was on a a call before listening to some sheriffs discuss some of the issues in the U.S. states where it is legal. Okay. And uh, there's a good number of issues that have um, been presented. I mean, mostly related to um, illegal grows, which um, 
be interested to learn more about Canadian stuff. Illegal grows. Uh, essentially, the the taxes being so high, particularly in the state of California, the estimate now, this is a new estimate I heard uh, tonight, um, the legal market versus illegal market. Uh, I mean, I'm sure we've heard of the numbers before. Do you know what the updated number is of, of the amount of cannabis purchases made in the legal market? In California or in Canada? Calif- California. Don't look it up. Just guess. Oh, uh, 70-30, illegal-legal? It is 20% legal, 80% illegal. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. They, I mean, they've bungled that up so bad. Uh, so bad. The Canadian numbers are not that bad. It's about 59% legal, 41% illegal. Um, there's always going to be some lingering illicit activity, but... Both of those figures are pretty depressing, considering how long it's been. Um, it should be easier for the legal market to compete with the black market and crowd out, uh, and crowd out the the illegal market. But it just hasn't happened. I mean, there's a lot of reasons why taxes are too high. The excise tax, in particular, uh, the legal market can't really market and and brand itself to adult consumers and obviously it needs to be able to do that to get those folks who are buying it illegally um there's questions about availability we didn't launch edibles and ex- uh, edibles and beverages for a full year after legalization there's just a whole slew of uh of issues um uh, that just never like I felt like for a long time everyone knew they existed but nobody wanted to get off their hands and do anything about it Uh, so I'm hopeful that maybe this is going to be the start of some of those conversations Um, our friend of the show Nathaniel Erskine-Smith the liberal MP for Beaches East York uh, is on the committee reviewing this and he is certainly one of the good ones Uh, so that gives me some hope that gives me some hope that we may have some changes, but uh, I don't know. I don't know. It really just does not sound like there's a lot of, obviously there's a lot of data. Um, there's some new data, old data, uh, things that are you know, at least able to share that information. People are able to learn. There's really not any response to that from people who might be in charge. And I think that is the most concerning part of all of this is that all of these issues were very predictable. Um, in fact, David, there are many things under your byline um, that you've written about, I wrote about in Quebec, that pretty much laid out exactly what could go wrong, and boy, did it. And there's so many improvements to make. But it's a question again about... I, I mean, I heard this today listening to the, the House of Commons in uh, our dear uh, Canadian constitutional monarchy, and it's this scenario whereby there are these concoctions and this theatrical framework in playing, and you see it in the British as well. You see this this kind of theater where these issues are brought up, and it's you know they're they're trying to needle a politician or a minister for what they said on this particular thing, and it's you know there's never really a good examination of policy, and maybe no. Hey, can you just admit you're wrong and let's include new information and let's work for it to do it? It's, you know, it's Mr. Speaker, you know, this kind of stuff. 
Well, yeah, and we see it on both sides. But the one that really grinds my gears these days is Mark Gerritsen, the MP for Kingston. He just keeps rambling on about Pierre Polyev and Bitcoin. Putin is bad, like, dude, very, very, very bad, but he's still better yeah. than the guy who brings every conversation around to Bitcoin. Hey, that's Mark Garrison every time he's like, "Oh, well, Pierre said this is about Bitcoin and Bitcoin, the price of Bitcoin." It's like, dude, you know, you know what I think? Nobody. Can... My what? theory is that he had like a nephew who told him to buy, and he bought <sighs> November at the absolute peak. top sixty nine thousand, <laughs> and he is so peeved off. He's got no. Uh, he can't say that you know he is hurting. And he's in the bear market, so he can just take all of his energy, <laughs> point it right at PP, Poilievre, and uh, that, that's sort of a way that he can, he can, he can have a little bit of that self-hate uh, thrown somewhere else. <laughs> yeah, it's just so strange. It's so strange. And like, I mean, the election is a long way away. No one's going to care. Like, zero well, people, people are going to care. People might care, and again, I, I'm a bit of a fanboy here, but people might care if... Um, you know, things start to tick back up. Things aren't looking too good for uh, government currencies these days. I shared that. Uh, oh, well, that's, that's true. Where you have this yeah. diversion, you know, you have the euros, you have the, the British pound, uh, which ain't doing yeah. too good at the moment. Yeah. I mean, there's all yeah. kinds yeah. of stuff out there. It's, we're in a macro recession that we've never seen before. Yeah, the you British know, pound just took an absolute beating. And it was so funny seeing people... Americans tweet being like, oh, a little further to go, and then it's going to be called soccer. Where <laughs> <laughs> it already is, yeah. Well, with the with the British pound, I mean, that, there's a lot of trade that goes through London, a lot of financial trade as well, so it will impact a lot. And the Brits themselves have not been, to, been doing too good, and I've, I've got a bit of a bone to pick with this one because there's a lot of shade that's thrown at uh, everything that's happening with Liz Truss who, you know, we like a lot of her policies from a consumer choice perspective. I think we've been on the record uh, when it comes to that. But she's been there like 18 days, guys. There's no way that you can maneuver a bureaucracy and have a whim policy change in that time. You can say it's about, you know, whatever the market thinks, sentiment, but everything that she's discussed, and I looked it up, you know, there's only been one law that has achieved royal ascensions since she's been there. And that w the debate started on that back in July. So there's that. You, okay, you could say, well, the direct action she's taken as prime minister through the exit. There really hasn't been much. There's been a lot of discussions. There's the budget that they've kind of put forward for debate. But I think if we look at what the Financial Times and the British press are saying, you know, there's a huge crisis when it comes to just pensions, when it comes to people making bad bets. And this is just kind of what happens. It's not necessarily because, I don't know, I think it's, it's a, much too simple. And I would give the same to Joe Biden. You know, just because Joe Biden comes in, everything crashes does not mean that is a Biden full pod day one. There's yeah, it didn't mean that Uncle Joe here. did it. Yeah. And then, I mean, that's the weird thing about politics is you'll there's no accommodation like there's a leg here on a lot of it i mean she hasn't been prime minister enough for anything to have had any impact so it 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 would appear that a lot of this is, was already baked in and it's just coming to a head now and 
I mean, she's going to take the heat for it. Um, I mean, generally speaking, I do th I do like some of the policies that she's putting forward. Um, and to be honest, if if let's say this is the trend, I mean, the polls came out on like the labor versus conservative split and it's like labor plus 25 or something, <laughs> something crazy. But if like that's what's going to hold, legislate like you know you're not going to win. Um, yeah, and, go all and in. Do so, yeah, go all in and do so in a way that makes it very difficult to unravel. Um, that's a that's a, a playbook from former Estonian Mar Pr uh, Prime Minister uh, Mart Lar, who did that with the flat tax. He brought in the flat tax. His uh, his count his uh, advisors were like, "Oh, you're going to get slaughtered on this. You know, you're going to lose." Uh, and he said, ah, you know what, whatever, I might lose, but once we do this, they'll, they'll never take it away. Um, we'll never go back. And Instead of, did like, lose. dance like nobody's watching, you should govern like you're going to lose. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and he did that. I, I only know this because I had a conversation with him once about it. And they did that, and it never, uh, the flat tax remained. And if I remember correctly, he ended up becoming the prime minister again a few years later. Um, so it wasn't completely all for nothing politically. Um, but yeah, if you're going to go down and the sink is ship, the, the ship is sinking, well then do so in a way that's going to have the lasting impact that you want. Um, and so keep going. Let's yeah, trust. But still, yeah, still, it's just, come on. It's been a couple of days. We're still, uh, we're still sad from the queen passing. You know, a lot of people are still thinking about that and. You know, you got all this Ukraine stuff, and there's, uh, there's, there is a lot that will be done and shall be done. And, uh, you know, look around at every other country. They're not doing too good either. And uh, I'll tell you what, my retirement account ain't doing too good either. <laughs> as, no. And it's been like that for a long time. So we'll be uh, right back with some more here on Consumer Choice Radio. David's got a nice little interview he'll tee up for us uh, for the third block. But in the meantime, stay tuned. You're listening to Consumer Choice Radio. We'll be right back after this tune. Welcome back to Consumer Choice Radio. Hit a lot of topics in our last segment. My colleague Dave Clement talked a little bit about changes to the um, Cannabis Act. Wrote an article this week. He did in the Financial Post all about it. Um, I know there's going to be. Um, is there going to be any additional hearings, David? Is there going to be some some testimony? What, what's the kind of timeline here? Because it'd be great to have a little bit of democracy yeah. uh, thrust into this. I, th I think it's still too early to know what the actual process is. Like, are they actually going to have a formal process where you can submit comments, where you can testify, where they invite experts? Uh, the Senate had done that before. I testified in front of the Canadian Senate on, to be honest, on a lot of these things. This was in 2019, I think, 2019 or 2018. Um, so... 
Yeah, I mean, I hope so. I hope that they bring people in and actually have those conversations rather than just keep the horse blinders on. It's a strange world uh, out there. Yeah, we'll probably the, the horse blinders are going to stay, David. And I've got a perfect clip for you. Speaking of horse blinders, um, I'm not sure you're going to be ready for this one, though. The United States shares a very important relationship, which is an alliance with the Republic of North Korea. You like that? <laughs> uh, whoops. You probably had seen that making the rounds. Um. No, I, I did, yeah. Like, just gaff central over there in the Biden administration. I mean, the only, it seems like the only person who's not, like, ripe for gaffes is Pete. Oh, well, Pete I got a Buttigieg. story about that. Uh-oh. Am I wrong? Correct All right, me. so <laughs> the clip that was played is um, Vice President, United States Vice President Kamala Harris, who is visiting the uh, demilitarized zone between North and South Korea. And uh, while she's there with a big helicopter and aviators on, she, uh, she says the United States shares a very important relationship, which is an alliance with the Republic of North Korea. <laughs> that is, in fact, wrong. Um, it's South Korea, which they prefer to be called Korea, but that's fine. Um, so you mentioned Mayor Pete. So it's interesting, Mayor Pete, Pete Buttigieg, uh, former mayor of... Uh, was, it wasn't Cedar Rapids, Iowa. What was his town? Uh, Judge. Oh. Uh, Grand Bend. Grand Bend? Indiana. Oh, my goodness. Uh, South Bend. It? South Bend. South Bend. South uh, so Grand Bend is in Ontario. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> oh, there you go. Uh, so I made my own little South Kamala Bend Harris. Mayor. Yeah, a little bit. Um, and he was a mayor and then ran for the Democratic nomination for president. Got pretty far. Um, I think he won the Iowa caucus. I believe um, he did. He won a state, so that's pretty legit. Yeah, pretty legit for a small-town mayor. And, you know, stayed in the campaign a good amount and then ended up being the Secretary of Transportation. Um, let me tell you something about uh, Mayor Pete. He's got some stands out there on the Internet. He's got some fans who will not let go, who have hashtag Team Pete in their bio. And the second you put Mayor Pete in there, they're going to be all over you. Which is the mistake that I made this week. <laughs> what, ha what happened? So this was in reference to the Jones Act, which is the Merchant Marine Act of 1920 in the United States. This is the law that uh, forbids any foreign flag shipped ship to uh, make any commerce between two U.S. ports. Uh, it was a, a sort of protectionist clause put in at the end of the First World War. Uh, today, it is supported hugely by the Shipbuilders Union people and the Democratic Party. And we had this devastating hurricane, not the one that, uh, not Hurricane Ian that's going through Florida and the Carolinas, uh, but one that hit Puerto Rico last week. Um, basically, you had this huge ship full of diesel fuel that was waiting off the shore. But I believe it had come, it might have been from Mexico or another country. And because it had another planned stop outside of the United States, they could not stop in Puerto Rico without a formal waiver of this law by the U.S. government. Now, we put out press releases on it. You know, there's, uh, we've talked to Colin Grabau of Cato Institute on this program. Um, which we'll link to in the show notes, all about the Jones Act. Um, that was last year, talked about how it does make, make you poorer, makes all of us poor. And 
I had uh, just kind of put out some comments out there, be like, hey, look, you know, there there are people in the government who could flip the switch and issue the waiver or basically make it so it can't be enforced at all, and we could help the people of Puerto Rico. And I had mentioned Mayor Pete, Secretary of Transportation. He's got the sort of marine uh, department underneath his, uh, in, in his department, he's got, it's kind of like the, uh, uh, I think it's called the Maritime Examiner. So this person is supposed to make the formal recommendation to the Secretary of Homeland Defense, Homeland Security, whatever it's called. And that person, that secretary, Mayorkas, he is supposed to issue the official waiver after consulting with the president. So then I just put out there, hey, you know, Mayor Pete, you know, has an its power. You can talk to his people. We can get a formal recommendation, get that Jones waiver. Boy, the people come after me. He does not have the power to do that. It's not Mayor Pete. Look at all these people lying about Mayor Pete. These Republicans. <laughs> it was like a thread of 30 people jumping on, being like, uh, Mayor Pete is the best, and these Republicans keep lying. And uh, it went on and on and on. I eventually just deleted the tweet because I just had a bunch of undesirables in my feed. Nice. I mean, it sounds similar to when I tweet about Pierre Polyev and Trudeau, and I get all the Truanon people going after me. Like, I'll, I'll make... It's not even like a, a partisan take or even like my own preference isn't even there. I'm just analyzing the fact that while the Trudeau liberals talk about all sorts of policies, whether they're important or not, is is irrelevant. They just don't have much resonance with voters. Meanwhile, Pierre is constantly talking about the cost of living he's talking about inflation how it impacts people he's talking about housing like kitchen table issues and so i tweeted like the liberals are going to have to shake things up if they want to compete with this because the pierre's message resonates and i don't think what the liberals are selling does so much anymore um and very quickly the tweet went I don't know. I, I guess you could call it viral. It's like 50,000 reach viral. I don't know. Jeez, David, is this just the show where you talk about how good you are? You've been doing it all show, bro. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm just great. It's just, yeah. I'm, I'm just pumping my own tires for a whole episode. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's nuts. These people are like the, the mega crowd in the U.S. where Trudeau can't do anything wrong. Everything he does is right and for the right reasons. And it's like, guys. It's it's an unhealthy level of idol worship here. Like, it just gets uncomfortable. So it sounds like you're dealing with the same, with uh, with Mayor Pete and the, Team uh, Pete the hashtag. Pete, yeah, the Pete bots. Yeah, the Pete bots, uh, Mayor Pete bots, whatever you call them. Uh, there's a lot of people who who cling to that. Hey, it's cool. You know, we all have our identities. You know, whatever they might be, however fluid they might be. You guys are free to have your uh, identities, um, but there's. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, the hurricane stuff that's happening, um, it's just crazy because, you know, this um, hurricane that did hit Puerto Rico is the same that did hit, hit Atlantic Canada. And now we do have this hurricane uh, that's gone through Florida, um, going to hit the Carolinas this week, about to strike South Carolina. Uh, so it's, we're back in the hurricane news. Um, there was an article by Bjorn Lomborg, by the way, in Inside Sources about hurricanes and climate change Uh, because we have heard a couple of uh, interviews that people have done on cnn and such where they're 
they're asking the meteorologist about climate change and stuff. And there are a couple of them that I just had to say, like, well, you can't specifically point to a hurricane and say it's caused. You know, there's a number of factors and might make things more likely. And uh, what's his name there? The uh, Don Lemont on uh, CNN so it was just like, but but it's because of this, right? It's because of climate change, because of the crisis. Kind of yeah, wanting that didn't line. He say, didn't he say something like, well, I grew up there and it's worse now than it is. It's worse now <laughs> than it was then. Which it's is like, objectively wrong because there, there have been fewer hurricanes, uh, specifically in the last 10 years, um, than any well, time before that. But it's fine. And, We're not there to debate the weather. <laughs> Or, or or climate, but you know. Well, the, the worst, the most egregious one is when people say, "Oh, hurricanes are becoming more disastrous," and they use the dollar value of the damage as proof. And it's like, dude, nobody lived in that area sixty years ago. People didn't have stuff. Nobody like, built a condo building there. Yeah, um, just so silly. Um. Yeah. Ah, yeah. There's a lot of. I mean, I. It kind of feels like not that the climate discussion isn't important, but and this kind of goes back to my comment about Trudeau and the Liberals. You're voting to raise the carbon tax. Okay, that's a hard pill for people to swallow, in like a cost of living crisis, and it almost feels like some of this stuff maybe needs to take a back seat. Just while we get our feet under us let's uh let's right the ship and stop it from sinking um before we double down on all of these climate measures which obviously have costs and externalities and spillover effects it's i'd I'd love to see someone who is like in favor of all of those things be like you know what let's put let's give it a year let's like pause this for a year and just figure it out yeah not gonna happen um, I tell you what will happen. Probably some very similar to what happened uh, here in Austria. So we have a climate, a carbon tax, which actually goes into effect. Uh, if you're listening on on Saturday here on on Saga and on Big Talker on the first of October today. And what this means is that there will be a price put on carbon, and uh, electricity bills will go up even more than they're going up now. And as a major countermeasure, uh, the government sent everyone in the country. Doesn't matter if you're an asylum seeker or a uh, French Canadian slash American um, radio host. <laughs> Everybody got 500 euros. Every child gets 250 euros, and that is the anti-inflation measure. I know they've actually talked about. I forget what the amount was. Was it around 500 bucks? They're talking about to send to Canadians as well. It was a bit less than I th- that. I I think so. It's means tested. I think so. It's not blanketed to everybody. I think if you make over a certain income, it changes, but. Um, I mean, I understand some of those proposals, but they're inflationary policies. Like it c- creates a spiral, right? You you have yep. you you have limited supply of X or an increase in, um, in in the supply of money and and demand, and you're going to continue to fuel demand without touching supply of whatever we're talking about. Um, that's only going to make it worse. Uh, I mean, I'm sure it's appreciated it's gonna make it by a lot citizens worse. to have to have some extra cash. But I mean, what are people like? I mean, it'd be interesting to see like where are people spending their 500 euros. 
Putin is bad, very, very, very bad, but he's still better than the guy who brings every conversation around to Bitcoin. I'll tell you where, David. They're buying Bitcoin. They're buying Bitcoin. <laughs> Uh, it's definitely my friend group, but but yeah, it, you can see, you will see consumer prices go up even more. Um, the problem is, is when you don't have you said supply, also production. If we don't have equal production to match all those new dollars, all that new money, well, then everything just gets pushed up, and we're just going to make everything worse. And you know, this could lead to other crises. We see the pension crisis blowing up in the UK. I mean, Canada's pensions aren't looking too good. America's pensions aren't looking too good. I'm a bit afraid of the pension stuff, by the way, because every province has its own pension plan. Uh, we're not every... Yeah, it's every province, right? Or is Quebec special? Uh, no, Quebec is special. So okay, so Quebec is special. It'll blow up. It'll blow up. Yeah. Uh, California's pensions, uh, which are not just California State, but you have them in every county um, all throughout the U.S. Yeah, the municipal... Like pension stuff. The public sector pensions. Yeah, these the, things are going to blow the up. The public sector pensions, well, I mean, and the reason why is they're defined benefit pensions. So yeah. how much you get when you retire is based on like years of service rather than what you contributed. So I think at one point the Detroit Police Service, their payroll, including pensions, was more for people who weren't working than it was for people who were. So completely unsustainable. They go bust. They can't meet their liabilities. The taxpayers bail them out. Bail them out and it's a disaster. Indeed, David. And uh, our interview next is with whom? It is with Professor Falou from the University of Montreal talking about alcohol. back on Consumer Choice uh, Radio, coming to you on Saga 960 and the Big Talker Network. Uh, I'm very excited for our next guest. Uh, he is now a, a first-time guest uh, on Consumer Choice Radio, uh, Professor Jean-Sebastien Fallou. Thank you very much for joining us on Consumer Choice Radio. Thanks for having me. So my colleague Yael and I have talked about the CCSA's report um, in brief summary for listeners who maybe aren't caught up. Essentially, the, the Center for Substance Use and Addiction released a new report on alcohol, and one of the big conclusions was if you drink more than two alcoholic beverages per week, you could be in trouble. Um, you're the expert, you're the professional in terms of this realm of, of analysis and academia. What is your take on the CCSA's report and its findings? Well, there's a lot of uh, different angles uh, to, to, to discuss. Um, I would say first that um, uh, this... Uh, this uh, enterprise is uh, something that's, uh, I, I would say, important to do. Review the literature, see what's, uh, if there's new uh, uh, knowledge, uh, and, and so on. Um, and in that sense, I mean, the expert committee of the uh, CCSA applied some, you know, renowned methods, but um, there's a lot of buts. Uh, mm -hmm. They... 
when you do research, there's a lot of methodolo methodological choices, um, and they, they made a lot of uh, methodological choices that are considered statistically speak speaking as uh, very liberal in, 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 okay. in that sense that this exaggerates uh, the link uh, between alcohol and, uh, uh, well, uh, seeing your life uh, shorten you know that's, yeah. that's what uh, that's what they do uh and 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 first i i want to remind us that this is these are associations you know it, it's it's it i don't want to undermine all the literature scientific studies but it's, of course we you need to be cautious uh we're not sure uh of any you know uh consequences are really consequences for from alcohol drinking uh, and 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 just as an example, uh, the link between alcohol and violence, uh, we know that link exists, mm -hmm. and, and probably some is caused by alcohol. But we also know some people use alcohol in order to have the courage, you know, to uh, fight or uh, anything. So it's just correct. It's, it's uh, basically the 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 data is a little bit exaggerated. Uh, another take is uh, it's it only taps um, uh, negative consequences of alcohol. Uh, mm -hmm. We know alcohol is related to pleasure, socialize, uh, so socialization. Uh, mm -hmm. There are even some benefits, even on mental health, but this is not at all taken into a, a account. So, so that's yep. a, a problem. It, it almost feels like a lack of a true cost benefit analysis. They just did a full cost analysis of yeah, the exactly. cost, yeah. the, the potential health cost, and just kind of turned away from those those positive aspects. I, I mean, it felt to me it's it's not a prohibitionist report, but it almost. felt it felt close. It felt close. Yeah, um, yeah. that's a huge uh, concern. Yeah, and I, I guess here's a, another follow-up question for you just on, I mean, of course, it's important for us to review the consequences of how substances, legal or otherwise, impact human health. I mean, that's important for understanding, it's important for public health, it ultimately uh, guides public policy. But I have a question for you of whether or not this is maybe my just my observation in terms of it being strange or if it's a common occurrence. So we have the CCSA, they do work on, on substance use. They have a clear mission in terms of like discouraging use across all categories. They're funded by the government and yet turning around and essentially lobbying or advising the government. Um, to act on on their suggestions, and uh, Dr. Sylvain Chalbois, who, who we've had on the show, he kind of described it as if you asked PETA, the People for Ethical Treatment of Animals, to give a report on beef consumption, well, we know what their conclusion would be. It would be stop eating yeah. it or eat so significantly less of it. Do you feel that there's some sort of strange relationship there where the government's spending money to essentially end up lobbying itself? Um, yes. Uh, especially in a context where the government uh, advertises for alcohol. On the other hand, <laughs> yes, uh, I mean, I mean, there—that's another uh, uh, 
uh, aspect of it. It's 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 not just you know alcohol harm is not just individual uh, and and there's a, there's social context. Uh, there's a culture. There's uh, a, a, a Canadian um, profile of views that 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 you cannot change just by new recommendations. Uh, people alcohol has functions people have motives to use anyway uh, but yeah of course uh, I, I would say that contrarily to the US where this kind of enterprise was uh, very broad and there was a lot of room for people to uh, give their advice experts from across the world this is weird that it's just the CCSA uh, doing this all alone without Health Canada being involved, uh, really, mm. um, and uh, have no really room for for advice. I mean, the the platform uh, is is almost like Twitter uh, in terms of pl place for uh, <laughs> comments, uh, and 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 they they also all already ad advertised everywhere for this. It's not really a consultation because it's mm. already so. Yeah, I. I, I and I know CCSA for a long time. I know they may, maybe don't realize themselves, but they're biased uh, toward, you know, uh, as I mentioned, negative uh, aspects mm -hmm. of, of uh, substances. And 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 I think they don't. Uh, but you were you were mentioning it. I, I mean, it's it's almost leaning toward abstinence. Mm -hmm. um, but I mean, alcohol and risky behaviors are part of human life, and it's going to stay like this way. And this yep. leaning towards uh, abstinence is, on 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 the one hand, uh, com completely against harm reduction um, approach we've had in Canada since decades. Yeah, ago. and it's also very uh, stigmatizing for a large part. Uh, of the population that yep. uses more than two drinks uh, per per week. Yeah, I mean, I've been chatting with some people and just kind of bringing it up casually, and the response I always get is laughter. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and that's exactly the first thought I had when public health officials are so disconnected and have some almost abstinence message in this case. It's people just laugh and discredit the whole message and they just don't listen anymore. It's, it's, uh, yeah. Yeah. It, it seems almost like it's so disconnected from reality that I would assume most consumers would just ignore it if it became the official exactly. advice of health Canada. I mean, I made a comment on Twitter that it would be, I mean, pick a different issue in society, let's say traffic fatalities. Right. That's a serious problem. You want to reduce them. A lot of people get seriously injured or die in cars. Um, but imagine if some government funded agency came back with a report saying under no circumstances should the speed limit ever be beyond 40 kilometers an hour. Everyone yeah, would yeah. just say, well, that's ridiculous. Yeah. Obviously, we we can't exactly. follow that. Um, exactly. And, 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 and we had previous uh, 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 recommendations for you know 10 uh, 15 mm -hmm. per week and 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 already youth who to whom i'm i'm teaching mm -hmm. were already finding this a little bit ridicule so imagine two and six yeah yeah i mean it would yeah it just be i mean another um another 
example of where the warnings kind of become so grand and so large that they're ignored uh, was something we've talked about in uh, California, I believe it's Prop 65, basically anything that touches a carcinogen has a cancer warning on it. And then that means like your lawnmower has a cancer warning and your cowboy boots have a cancer warning. And it kind of numbs the consumer from the real information because exactly if, if everything is dangerous and everything is, is cast at us in that, yeah. in that light, well, then we just ignore the warning altogether and just chart our own path rather exactly. than using it as kind of useful information um in terms of do you feel like some of the response here um from the public health side of things has been maybe conflating the increase in consumption during the pandemic to some longer term trend as if canadians are all of a sudden drinking problematically more on mass because no, i know no okay. it's no it's not related to that it's really okay. uh, it's really etiological uh, studies um but you're right i mean public health in this kind of uh, of thing is really patronizing people uh, patronizing people instead of giving full information mm -hmm. it's not information it's persuasion and persuasion is is partial uh, information and it's it's oriented you know and that's really a, a problem and everything everything is risky uh, we, 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 we have maybe also norms for a number of rela sexual relationship per week yep. or, uh, or 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 fries or you know it's it's it's, it's we need more detailed information what's the absolute risk uh, mm -hmm. and and because when you translate these things i mean the two drinks per week limit is all is is something called you know you would have a hundred uh, on a thousand chance of reducing your life for six days okay? yeah so and and for six drinks it would be a, a one chance out of a hundred but these numbers are are, are, are conflated, but uh, uh, to lose like two months of your life. It, mm -hmm. it, that's, that's, we need more detailed information, not for them to choose where to set the limit, you know, yeah. uh, to give more detailed uh, information. And I would also add, we need uh, to take into account what we call the set setting and drug interaction. It's not the same for everybody. Yeah, and there's no... You know, across age, across many things, it's very different. So that was one of my critiques of the standard drink label is that there's no standard person. I mean, you and I maybe have different experiences with alcohol. I may have just eaten a full meal. Maybe you got little sleep and haven't eaten yet. The way in which one beer impacts yeah. each, like it the varies the so standard, differently. The standard drink label could help one person within their own use but it's yeah you're right across people it's not it's not uh, the same at all yeah and then of course we have the left hand right hand problem where one one level of the government is potentially telling you to significantly cut back while the other yeah, is bom bombarding me with with yeah. with twitter ads that bacardi is on sale at the lcbo and exactly. it's like well do you do you well, want me to stop a drink yeah. less or do you want me to drink, <laughs> to drink more, more. Yeah, <laughs> i don't know exactly. that was i that's what i was saying earlier and 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 that they also tend to put the responsibility on the individual only 
uh, without, you know, without helping and even uh, uh, harming in the other side, you know. On yeah, the other side. yeah, it's. Uh, I, I think. I think the concern here is, what I mean, there's, there's, in today's world, there's very little inclination for taking guidelines like this and just leaving them as guidelines. Yeah. And I yeah. think that's the concern for a lot of people. It's like some sort of guidelines come up and then in many policymakers' minds, it's like, oh, well, we ought to do something about it. We ought to act on yeah. it. How do we yeah. make these the rules or how do we yeah. influence yeah, policy exactly. to get people to confine into this box? And yeah. then you get into this very paternalistic nanny state scenario yeah, where you're exactly. you're lecturing adults about decisions that don't harm anybody else um, yeah, and yeah. and then i think it's still up for debate whether or not it's harming them in any serious yeah. way depending on how much they're drinking so uh professor yeah. it's been a, a pleasure to have you on consumer choice radio uh we'll certainly have you back on the program to talk all things uh, harm reduction uh moving forward thank you very much it was very uh, pleasant <laughs>